0: fantastic thanks pastor sam very good thank you everyone would you take your seats please that'd be so good i love being here what a great time what a great church church unlimited what a good name too isn't that a good name no limitations on this church that's excellent So um, I just want to give um, special thanks today, you know, for those who've been looking after me. So for instance, Vimal, who's been driving me everywhere. Is Vimal here somewhere? Where are you, mate? He's somewhere in his car driving right now somewhere. But also Pastor Tark is good. And also I've just met Adrian tonight as well. What a blessing as well. And Jody, this morning, there you go, making your husband look good as well. (laughs) Hey, just such a great church. And also, uh, um, uh, it's been a great blessing to have Salah look after me. And uh, evidently, um, my name was spelt wrong this morning, and we discovered why. My girl, who sent the information through, spelt my name wrong. <laughs> so you guys got it right. We got it wrong. So there you go. It's interesting. Praise God. But look, I, um, tonight, I want to speak a message here today which is about the qualities of a giant killer. The qualities of a giant killer. Because there are some things that we need to consider when we have a look at this. Now, before we get into it, though, I'll just sort of share a couple of quick little stories. Maybe you can connect. Maybe you can relate tonight. Um, When I was a little baby, I was incredibly gorgeous. In fact, when I'd be in my little pram, I've heard the stories. My mum says, I was beautiful. And my mum, she don't tell no lies. How many, how many people have we got here today who, when they were babies, were gorgeous? How many of you? Look, at there's a few gorgeous babies here. That's true, isn't it? No one can argue with it, all right? No one can argue with this. I was a very cute little kid. I don't know what happened as I grew up. It's called age. <laughs> and I, I have this memory now I, I, I have not I, I, I mean when I was a little kid I was no giant killer so I remember when I was a little kid and I was in school I started up in something called army cadets and army cadets in, uh, in Adelaide South Australia was a place where little children went to learn to be soldiers uh, and so I went there but I don't know how old I was I was probably only about 10 years old or something like that and I remember they put me in a uniform they, uh, they I had to learn how to polish the brass and do all that and I went away on camps and things like that but remember I'm this beautiful cute little kid who's very innocent and it was very scary for me going through this whole process of going into army cadets. Now, the very first time I went on a camp ever was with army cadets. Now, by the way, they gave us rifles with bullets. And I'm 10, a 303 rifle. You can shoot people with those things. Just, so well, nobody got in the way. So they had me all dressed up and whatever. And I remember this morning, I'd never been on a camp before in my life. I got up in the morning, got dressed, went to the camp. We drove by the bus, went, went, went several hours away in South Australia. And then we got to the campground there, and then uh, we got out, and then we had, to, we had to all line up, and then they had to do this medical. I'm not going to tell you about the medical, but it was very scary as a little child. And, uh, but what was really scary is that you had to, um, basically, you didn't have to completely undress, but you had to take your uniform off so they could do this special <laughs> medical. I know this sounds scary. I'm an innocent little child. I'm a gorgeous little innocent child, by the way. Did I tell you that before? Yeah, I did tell you that before. And then as I am taking my uniform off, I suddenly realized that when I got up this morning, because my mummy didn't really help me get dressed properly, that I still had my pajamas on underneath. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a very embarrassing moment for me. Because I didn't want all the other children to notice that I'm still wearing my pajamas because I forgot to take my pajamas off before I put my uniform on. This is not a scary-looking individual, by the way. This is not somebody that you're going to send into a war. And I had that vivid memory. It was very scary. It was freaky. Anyone have any freaky memories of when they were little kids? That you would say, like, I was no tough person. I was no giant killer. I was just a little kid. I remember I was walking on my way to school. And as I'm on my way to school, this is another separate occasion, of course, a magpie. Do you have magpies in New Zealand? I'm glad you got magpies here. Magpies in Australia, they swoop you. They try to kill you. Pretty well, that's what it is. And they go for the cutest kids, evidently. And I'm walking on my way to school, and this magpie, all of a sudden, from behind me, whoom, bang, right through the back of the head, kept going. I freaked out. Like this bird is gonna kill me. It's gonna destroy. And then it came back again. And as a little kid, I was so scared, I was so afraid and it had been raining, I fell on the, on the path with my face in the water puddle. And I'm laying there thinking if I just stay still, the magpie will go away. This guy comes along, he says to me, you all right? Everything okay? I said, there's a magpie. He said, look, this is what you do. Stand up, got me to stand up. He said, here, here's a stick. What you do is just walk along and just wave that stick above your head so I did exactly what he said and it never swooped me again <laughs> I learnt to be a magpie scarer killer and I, I didn't kill any magpies by the way there was no magpies harmed in this story whatsoever but you know you think about when you're growing up you know you, it's, it's a pretty scary world and, and so it is when, we, when, we, when we're growing up and, and, and beyond our school years and, and in life generally speaking life comes, things happen and today here today even as Christians today there are attacks that come against us and the enemy can be pretty scary at times maybe it wasn't like me being at an at a, at a army cadet's camp or being swooped by a magpie but at the end of the day each one of us nonetheless come across enemies that will seek to attack, pull down and destroy And we need to learn who we are in Christ. If you don't know who you are, then then actually someone else is going to define you. As a young man, I left school. And when I left school, I thought, you know, I was this skinny little rake. I thought, I need to put a bit of muscle on. So there was a guy I knew who went and did weightlifting. So I thought, I'm going to do weightlifting. Because if I do weightlifting, I'll be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you know, then people will be scared of me. I don't think anyone's really afraid of Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way. But maybe you can think of other people right now. So I went and I started to do bodybuilding. But what happened is I'm I'm, I'm watching the other guys. I'm doing what they're doing. And as time went along, I found my muscles got a little bit tighter. But they were beefing out. They were getting these great big pecs. They were getting these great big biceps and everything. And I'm this little skinny weed trying to do what they're doing. And it's not working for me. I don't know if you've ever tried doing this, but got, I, you know, our accountant at our church is a weightlifter and he actually looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's just doing our finances. I don't mess with him. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes life happens and as we grow up and like in my situation, you know, you know, sometimes you want to feel better about yourself. You want to feel secure in yourself. You want to not be someone who is afraid. And as a young man, I was afraid. I'm just revealing a little bit about myself here. You might have grown up, you know, with absolute, you know, fearlessness. You might have grown up, you know, not afraid of anything in your life or whatever. But the reality is, most people have to learn to fight. Most people have to learn to be able to do life and to be able to do life well. Now, we read about in the scripture, we read about a man, his name is David. And there's an enemy, and the enemy is called Goliath. If you've been a Christian for more than three weeks, you've probably heard this story already. But we're going to have a look at it again, maybe have a look at it through different eyes. Because God wants you to know tonight that you are a giant killer. And this is not just a message I've plucked out. I believe there is a message in this for the year 2018. 2018. There is something prophetically that I believe God wants to speak to each one of us about 2018, about what he's doing in your life and what he wants to do in your life. We're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to read uh, verses 1 to verse 9. There's a lot more, but I'll refer to the rest of this scripture. It's a long story. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting from verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokoh and Ezekiel in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, they encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. This is an awesome enemy that's coming against the army of God. The Jewish people. And so here they are. They array, they array, and this intimidating figure comes and basically he intimidates them and says, just send your best fighter. Just send someone. And everybody cowered in their tents. King Saul cowered in his tent. Everybody didn't want to go near this guy, Goliath, because they absolutely feared him. Now I'm not going to tell you how to kill a giant today in terms of a human being. But I do want to talk with you about the qualities of what it is to be a giant killer, to be what it is to be like a David, a young man with a, a, with a heart after God, a young man who in the natural did not look like he could amount to anything. Some of you can relate to your growing up years where you think like, you know, you were no one, nothing. When I first started working, I was, I was struggling to keep up with the other guys in the workplace. I'd only just left school. And I remember one day the, the boss criticised me to the other workers and said he's like the blind leading the blinds. And I remember it so clearly because it stuck in my heart. It, it hurt at the time. And yet, you know, there are things that happen in our life as we go along where people will criticise and ridicule and in a way will taunt us to say, who do you think you are? And, you know, some of you got dreams, You've got things that you want to achieve in your life and the devil will come against you and say, who do you think you are? And do you know who you are? Do you really know who you are in God? Do you really know the strength that you carry? Do you really know the call of God on your life? Do you really know what it is to be called to do something for the living God? In this story, Goliath, who was taunting the armies of God, this is what he said. He says, if you kill me, then I will serve you, we will serve you. But if I kill you, if I kill your champion, then you are my servant. Now, nobody wanted to tackle Goliath. Nobody wanted to go up against him. I mean, certainly Saul didn't want to do it and the brothers of David didn't want to do it, but David came on the scene. David was just young man who looked after the sheep and no one was doing anything. And at the end of the day, David said, what is going on? This, this giant is taunting God himself. So basically he said, let me do it. Let me go in. This is not a young man who was skilled with a sword, but he was a young man who was skilled with a slingshot. In fact, we read in the scripture that he was, that he was one who had learned to, to actually look after himself against a, a lion and against a bear. Quality number one. And I use David as my example here today. Number one, David was self-disciplined, self-disciplined. You might say, what are the qualities of being, a, being a, a, you know, a, a, someone who can kill a giant? Well, you might think maybe it's having big muscles, maybe it's having the brawn, maybe it's having the, you know, the brain, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, number one, you are never going to defeat any enemy if you can't defeat the enemy inside. We need to to learn to be self-disciplined. David was self-disciplined. Like in Proverbs 6, verse 6 to verse 8, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. One translation says slacker. Go to the ant, you slacker. Consider her ways. I don't know why she suddenly become a her. Consider his ways. Who reckons that sounds better? Yeah. Consider his ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, or mummy to look after you. Someone that you can point the finger at and say, but, but they did it. Or, you know, like, you know, my Christian walk's not going so well. If only Pastor Tuck could preach a better sermon, then I would be okay. You know, you know sometimes we're always blaming everything on somebody else. It's somebody else is the reason that my life in God is not going so well. It's my husband. If my husband was a better man, then I'd be okay. Or it's my wife. If my wife would encourage me and support me, then I'd be a better man. And so it goes on. You know, the reality is at times we're always pointing the finger at someone else and accusing someone else. There are people here today, you say, I want to be a pastor. Or, Or some of you are saying, I definitely don't want to be a pastor. Or I want to be a leader in the church. If only the pastor would let me worship lead. Man, I could worship lead. Bump those other people out of the way. Man, I've got the gift, you know, I'm going to go for it, you know. Sometimes we think like we want to have the opportunities. We want to do something for God. But if you are not a disciplined person, you make a terrible, or if you're an undisciplined person, you make a terrible leader. Who wants to be led by somebody who can't lead themselves? You know, if you're going to be a giant killer, you've got to learn to lead yourself. You've got to be a person who's disciplined. You've got to be a person who can actually speak to yourself and deal with yourself and not be someone who makes excuses about everything that's happening. Some of us have got this entitlement mentality. When something goes wrong, someone else is always responsible. No, no, look to yourself. Sluggard. Turn to the person next to you and say, slacker. (laughs) But don't do it in a nasty way, just like how the scripture's saying it, all right? (laughs) The qualities of a giant killer. We need to be people who are self-disciplined. Hey, now look, it might be a little bit too late, but don't marry someone who doesn't have self-discipline. Man, you're going to have trouble down the track. If you've got someone who hasn't got good self-discipline, then work on it very quickly, all right? You know, somebody without self discipline is going to be hell to live with. You know, don't go into business with somebody that doesn't have self discipline. You know, don't, don't be led by someone that doesn't have self discipline. It is going to wreck your life. It's going to be very messy. And you cannot, you cannot just allow that to happen. You've got to speak into that. Sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we allow things. And what you live with today, or what you allow today, you're going to have to live with tomorrow. Come on, don't put up with people that are undisciplined in your life. Number two. David qualified himself to be a giant killer. He qualified himself to be a giant killer. It started by looking after his father's sheep. So what would happen? You're looking after the sheep and then all of a sudden the fox would come in. The fox tries to nip at the heels of the sheep and try to take away the weak ones, the young ones to try and kill them so they can eat them. And so what David did is he learned to use a slingshot so that he could kill the foxes as they come in against the sheep. And so he qualified himself to come up against Goliath. He didn't know how to use a sword effectively, but he knew how to use a slingshot. That's all he needed. He knew how to use a slingshot and you know, everyone else had been training since they were young to, to, to wield these weapons, but he had just learned to use a slingshot. But he had also had the strength and the power to be able to overcome a lion and a bear. There's something pretty amazing about this young guy who had qualified himself to prepare himself for this. Number three, he knew how to handle criticism. He knew how to handle criticism. He knew how to handle negativity. He knew how to handle it. When people would criticize him, people come against him. So his brothers criticized him. And they said, what are you doing here? Because the brothers weren't willing to go out against Goliath. And when David said, I'll do it, it made them look bad. So they started criticizing him. And then even the father started criticizing him. Because when he was asked but, but from, from, the, uh, from the prophet, you know, do you have any other sons? And then he suddenly remembered, oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, David. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my sons. But he never thought of him because he wasn't very big in stature. He wasn't strong. He didn't have all the the, the visible qualities of somebody who was a giant killer. But all of a sudden, you know, he'd had all this criticism from those around about him. But David did not let it stop him. Now, you might be saying, but other people don't believe in you. They don't believe in me. At the end of the day, it's not about whether people believe in you. It's not about whether people actually believe what you can do or what you cannot do. At the end of the day, it's not about what people think, but it's about what you think and what you know that God has called you to do in your life. And the reality is God has called you to be someone who is a fighter. I don't mean fighting people, but I mean fighting for the things of God. There's a kingdom of God that needs to be fought for. We need to speak up about the kingdom of God when other people want, us, when want to put us down. Last year was not a good time for the church in Australia. I'm not sure about here in New Zealand, but I guess it wouldn't be much different. When we went through our whole plebiscite, it's like all of a sudden the church had become the enemy. You know, it's really a strange situation to be the people that love and share the gospel of love to all of a sudden be viewed as, uh, as the group that actually is, is the haters. You didn't have to hate. You just stopped where you were. You just still keep believing the same thing. But the rest of society moved, and it's like you haven't moved with it. So all of a sudden, you become the bad people. And so the impression that is placed upon us is is, is in a certain way. And if you're not careful, you can allow mud to stick. You can believe what other people say about you, but we should not believe what other people say about us. When they criticize us, do not allow it to actually pull you down. Don't allow it to pull you down. Now, I know the other thing that can happen too is that we can criticize ourselves. And when you criticize yourself, you go into a dark place. Now, I, I, I'm not a person who's subject to depression or going into dark places. But we did have a situation when we were rebuilding our church five years ago or six years ago now. Like I'll tell you our story. Um, uh, 28 years ago when my wife and I went to the church we were meeting in a school hall we went into a community hall for a while then we bought a small block of land then we put a building up there 15 years later the building wasn't sufficient for what we want so we ripped it down again we put up another building 6 years ago and we've got a building that will seat about 800 people and, uh, and, and it's a great building but there was a time when we had prepared to step out to take the loan now The bank had already said, yes, you can have the loan for the amount that we needed. You know, we'd already had the verbal from the bank saying everything would be okay. We had no reason to suspect any issues or problems or so forth. And so there we are. We're ready to step forward. We're ready to move forward. And then uh, I said to the bank, okay, and we'd already agreed that the builders had already started. We had some money to start paying them. And so it went on. But of course, we had a contract with the builders. You've got to fulfill your contract with the builders. So I went to the bank and I said, ah, we're ready to take out that loan now. And they said, ah, oh, well, look, um, things have changed at the bank and securities have tightened up. And so actually we can't, we can't loan you that much money now. We had a two-part building. I couldn't get enough money for the first part of the building, a alone for both parts of the building. And so it was a pretty scary time. Then I started to apply for bank loans. In fact, because we had a bit of money to start with, I started applying for bank loans over the next 10 months. I applied for 12 different bank loans. And each bank loan would take over a month to process through. I had a couple of applications going at the same time. And, you know, and we're working our way through this thing. But one by one, every bank, every lending institution I went to said... No, no, no. Not enough time to go into the detail as to why they were saying no, but it's like this was a shock to me. It was a shock to the board. None of us understood, and we had a commitment to the builders. And the builders, we got to the point we we exhausted our current funding. We got to the point where the builders said, "You have now got one month to come up with your payment." We'd never been late in a payment. We were now half a million dollars late in a payment, and I started to go into a little dark place. I remember I'd got home from work. I was sitting on the, on the stairs in our house. My wife, Karen, was there. And I said, Karen, I don't know what to do. I went into the lounge room. I sat on the lounge. I'm staring up at the light at the ceiling. She came along. She sat down next to me with great compassion and care. Sat there with me. I said, I don't know what to do. She says, I don't know what to do either. So I'm going to go and do the dishes. He said to me, why don't you go and have you know, four or five days off and pray? I said, Karen, you know me. I love prayer. I love to press into the, into the presence and the heart of God. But if I went away and if I went away and prayed now, said, I reckon I would go into a dark place. I love God. I know God would be with me. But I'm a doer. I need to hear from God. And I remember God spoke to me that night. I went to bed. And God said to me, Malcolm, don't ask me why has this happened and it was like I'm looking for an answer because sometimes God's voice is so clear isn't it because I'm saying God why why are we here you know you led me it's a little bit like Moses being led from Egypt to the to the edge of a Red Sea why has God led us to this place like he knew, i have been listening to him. i have been hearing the voice of God every step of the way. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to be the first pastor in Melbourne to bankrupt the church. What a great way to become famous. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's the way I was thinking. I went to bed. And then the next morning, it's like God spoke to me. He says, don't ask why, ask what. And actually, that suits me, because I'd rather know what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to be left in the dark. i got to know what to do. And he said to me, I want you to ring up that guy that used to be on your board that left your church very badly. And and, And it was like, I just want you to ring him up and just ask him for advice. I said, God, we haven't spoken for years. And you want me to ring him, and I didn't want to do it. But I knew that God has said, this is what you must do. You see, I'm saying, God, why has this happened? And God's saying, this is what I want you to do. And I'm arguing with God. But then I rang up this guy and like we hadn't spoken for a long time. And all of a sudden we had a really happy talk. It's like, oh, this is really good. You know, talking away and whatever and I, and I said what the issue was and he says oh look I'll, I'll do a little bit of research he made a few suggestions every suggestion he made I'd already tried you know what? he says I'll try my bank blah, blah. he came back two days later he says I can't get anywhere either but you know what I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole story but the short the short end of this story is he actually personally went guarantor for us to actually borrow the money that we needed to get across the, the road to make this thing happen And I remember when I heard about it, I was just, I'd only only spoken to him, but there was one other business person. I thought, nothing's happened there. I'm just going to ring this person. It was just my thoughts, my ideas. I pulled up in a car park to have lunch with this particular business person. And before I went out, I got a telephone call from the bank manager. And the bank manager said, we can loan you the money. But that gentleman who's actually going security for you, he has to serve on your board for your property company I'm fine with that <laughs> you know and, and 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 when I went in to see the other businessman and I told him I was so excited I thought oh man there's an answer like you know we've got somewhere to go with this he said to me Malcolm he says that is just like God you see it's not really about the money you're borrowing at all but God is into reconciliation God is into reconciliation And you know that guy has been back in our church for the last six years. He's now not just on that board, he's on all of our boards. And this guy is one of the best givers in our church. He's one of my best friends because God can turn things around in Jesus' name. But I tell you what, it took me getting into a bit of a dark place to sometimes get desperate enough to believe God... And God is looking for you to be people too that know how to go to God and hear from God and obey God when you need to step out and you need to do something. Stop getting, you know, focused on yourself. Stop going into some dark place and start to reach out to the living God because He's got an answer for you in your situation right now. I'm saying that to someone here tonight. Someone here tonight. It's not, it may be not about business, it could be something else. But the reality is, What God is saying to you, you don't want to do, do it. If God says do it, there's a miracle that is waiting for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Look, there's so much more I can say about this story, but I'm just going to add this on the end because it's not fair to just give you that little part of the story. So we spent uh, nearly $7 million on our building. And uh, when we finished, we had quite a big debt. But then another miracle happened. I haven't got time to go into it. But 12 months later, we're debt free. (laughs) It was incredible. 12 months after that, the miracles just kept compounding because God was in the middle of it. You think you're in your darkest place. I tell you what, like a David, you've got to step up because it doesn't matter how big that Goliath is. God has given you a cause. He's given you something to do. Then go and do what God has called you to do. It's never that dark, not when God's involved. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's keep going. We've got a few more to have a look at here tonight, and I'm going to run out of time at this rate. Number four, David knew how to speak to the problem and to himself. Isaiah 30 verse 6 says this, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself when the enemy comes against you, when the enemy is strong. He didn't waste his time talking about the size of Goliath, magnifying the problem, but he spoke directly to the mountain that was in front of him. I don't know what the mountain might be in your life, but I know every mountain has got a mouth. It's got a big mouth. And it'll talk back to you. And you can't sit back and you can't let the mountain have the last say. You're going to speak up and you're going to speak to the mountain. And whatever the giant is saying in your life, tell it to shut up. Sorry, children, I shouldn't. Don't, don't say that word. That's not a good thing to say. But when you're coming against Goliath, you can say, shut up, all right? We're going to tell the mountain to keep quiet. And if you've got some mountain speaking at you, you can't allow it. You've got to stop it. You've got to have the last word. You've got to speak up. You've got to say what God's doing. Number five, he refused to be defined by others. His dad tried to define him. His brothers tried to define him. Goliath tried to define him as well. Don't let others identify you. Know who you are. You are not who other people say you are. You are not who the devil tells you you are. You are not who you tells you who you are. That is even really bad grammar, isn't it? You are what God says you are. That is who you are. You are a giant killer. That is who you are. Hear the voice of God into your life at this time. Hallelujah. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knows very well. Does your soul know very well that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? That is who you are. Amen. Number six, David collected trophies of past victories. He told Saul about the lion and the bear. In fact, the scripture says that the God, who, he says, the God who gave me victory over the lion and the bear will give me victory over this filthy Philistine. In fact, when he killed Goliath, he kept the sword of Goliath. He had a mindset. I can do bears, I can do lions, and I can do giants. That is what I do. I see bear rugs, lion furs, and giant's heads on platters. Have you got trophies in your life? I mean, you've got to remember back to the trophies of the victories that you've had in Christ. Do you have those trophies in your life? Sometimes it's good to have them. Maybe it's a scripture that you've highlighted. Maybe it's a story that you retell. But you know, we need to have those trophies in our life. I love the fact that David could tell Saul about what he'd done, that he'd killed a lion, that he'd killed a bear, and now he had taken off the head of this Philistine and he kept those trophies. I can imagine if you went into David's house, you would see a bear head up there. Or you'd see a bear rug on the floor. Or you'd see a lion head up there. And it sounds a bit gross, doesn't it? Goliath's head sitting on a platter. <laughs> what do you see? What do you see in your life? What, what, what sort of victories have you had? You must say, I haven't had too many victories yet. Well, hey, let's believe for it. Amen? I mean, we're all going to get Goliath. We're all going to get things that are going to come against us. It's going to happen to every single one of us. Okay, there's another thing we need to know. This is number seven. You need to know that the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. Every battle you go through, it's not yours. Don't take ownership of the battles that you go through, but go through battles because they're the Lord's battle and you become the Lord's fighter. You become the Lord's hero. What you're going through is not a personal battle. Don't own the battle. Don't say it's my battle. I'm going through this battle. Only I can go through this battle. No, no, it's the Lord's battle. When you actually give the battle over to him, then all of a sudden he'll strengthen you so you can do what you have to do. Don't back down even if the problem stands up. David in 1 Samuel 17 verse 48 ran towards the Philistine when he killed the Philistine because it wasn't him, it was God. It was the Lord that he was fighting for. When you fight battles, don't fight your own battles. Sometimes we create battles around about us. Sometimes we create battles with people around about us. Stop creating your own battles and start to focus on the Lord's battles, the things that He places before you. And God will always be in it. God will always help you. Number eight, and the final point here tonight. Number eight. David knew how to finish the job. He knew how to finish The battle. He didn't have to do it. Have you ever watched a movie? Now you shouldn't watch these sort of movies by the way. But you're watching a movie and there's a bad guy. And this person is like a murderer. They're hiding out in your house. You've just come home, go in the house. All of a sudden, this person pops out from nowhere. They're trying to kill you. they got a knife in their hand. They're trying to destroy you. And then you somehow overcome them. You manage to bash them over the head with a pot, you know, and down they go. And it's like, wow, they've been knocked out. So then you leave them there, turn your back on them, and you go to the telephone. Hello? I don't know what number you dial here. But we do, I thought it was 911, but that's America. We do triple zero. What do you guys do here? 111. One. Oh, wow. That's much better than 000. zero, zero. <laughs> and, you're, and there you are. And we're watching the movie. My wife and I are sitting there. It's like, no, don't do that. Haven't you never watched a movie? Every time you turn your back, that person's going to get up and they're going to come back and they're going to hurt you. But usually they get finished off again anyway, don't they? But you know, every time, you know, if you are going to take the enemy out, by the way, don't start killing people that come to your house. But if you're going to take the enemy out, make sure you finish them off. Get the sword, chop their head off. Whatever the problem is, get rid of that thing. This sounds like a very violent sermon, but get their head off there. Finish the job. (laughs) I will create context in just a moment. God is a finisher. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. He finished creation. He didn't half do creation to evolve into monkey men that go on to something else. God created and it was good. It was perfect. Jesus was a finisher. John chapter 19 verse 30. He said, it is finished. David was a finisher. In 1 Chronicles 28:20 20, David said to Solomon that when the house of God was finished he said I finished what God gave me to do. Also Paul was a finisher 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. He said I fought the good fight I finished the race. Nehemiah was a finisher. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15. He finished the wall. He didn't half do the wall. He finished the wall. Moses was a finisher exodus 40 verse 33 he finished the tabernacle giant killers understand everything depends on finishing our battles what unfinished battles are you ignoring now remember we're not talking about flesh and blood here but jesus is the perfect example of this jesus had been badly hurt he had been whipped he had a crown of thorns placed upon him He had been punched. He had been nails put in his hands and his feet, put upon a cross. The cross had been erected, dropped into a hole. Every part of his body would have jarred as it fell into that hole. You know, Jesus Christ was cruelly put upon a cross. And sometimes it seems like the enemy is very strong. But we know the end of the story. The devil thought he had won. The devil thought he had killed Jesus. And yes, Jesus did die, but he did not understand that in dying, it was the greatest victory of all. And when Jesus hung upon the cross, what did Jesus do? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And after that, he spoke his final words. He said, it is finished. Some of you are going through a problem now with another person. And it's time to forgive them for they know not what they do. And some of you got more than one person in your life because you've got too much unfinished business in your life. You've got relationships that are not working. It is time to forgive them for they know not what they do. And then you can say, it is finished. The pain of that relationship cannot hurt me anymore. You have not hurt someone, you've not killed somebody, but basically you've forgiven them and it has caused now a finish to that hurt, that poison you've been drinking, that pain you've been going through. You've got to do something about it. Finish your battles well. Finish them according to what the Word of God would say. We had Sam Chan come and speak in our church from the, from the States and he said this, when you have problems with someone in your life, forgive and move on. Forgive and move on. Would you say it with me? Forgive and move on. In conclusion, and I said I believe there's a prophetic nature to this. I I found uh, at the beginning of the year, and also there are times during the year, it's been a very interesting 2018. And I don't know about here, but I know I've been enough places now to see a similar thing happen where it's been a very exciting year. God's done some really exciting years. But it's also been a time when there's been attacks from different directions. Even now, I'm, I'm faced with not just the beginning of the year, but now in the middle of the year, I'm faced with several battles around about me from different places. And yet I know that I'm not in the wrong. I know that I don't have to correct something or get something right. I know actually it's the battle, the battle of the Lord. And I know I'm going to be victorious because there are things that you just know that when people come against you and it's ungodly that if you just stick to what God is showing you you will see the victory happen and I found this year has been exciting in two ways exciting for all of the stuff that's come against us and exciting because of the miracles that God is doing and it's like two things happening at the same time around about us and maybe you're in a similar situation to this we had One of our uh, pastors in our church spoke to me one morning. She says, Pastor Mao, and she didn't even know I was actually having a look at this at the time. She says, I feel like this is a year when all hell is breaking loose and and all heaven is breaking loose at the same time. And it's like sometimes we go through both and we think like, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something right? What's going on? But the reality is there's a lot of activity, a lot of things happening. And maybe in your world, there's a lot of things. Maybe it's not the most peaceful time that you've ever experienced, but it's also a time full of miracles and and amazing things that are happening. In the midst of this, God is looking for giant killers. In the midst of what's happening around about you, he's looking for giant killers. And I'm looking at some giant killers here today. There's a guy called Bill Unt from the Elijah List, an intercession ministry in the United States. He said this about 2018. This will be a year when mighty men and mighty women will rise up because they've killed a bear. They've killed a lion or a giant. For these have come to make a strong, God says. They will be your nourishment, your bread, your sustenance, We will get to eat honey out of the belly of the lion. We will see what a lion's fur looks like hanging in our house and the heads of giants on gold platters. I see bear rugs, lion furs and giant's heads laying all over the place in houses. These will be trophies awarded to those who didn't give up the good fight of faith. That's you. That's us. God is wanting us to be people who will make a stand. I'm going to finish with this little story. There's a guy who I've known for years now. And I just call him Matt. In fact, that's his name. (laughs) 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 I'm sitting in my office one day and Matt comes, he knocks on the door and he's a really big guy. He's just this really big, tough guy, you know, but he's actually quite soft on the inside. I says, Pastor Mal, he says, I'm really going through a really bad time at the moment. I feel like I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. And he's going like this and it's like, you know, moan, 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 carry on, you know. like, And I'm very compassionate, you know, for about a minute. And then it's just too long, all right? And he's like, oh, whoa, 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 is was me, woe is was me. I said, Matt, 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 stop, 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 stop. You know, Matt, I see you as a soldier in the army of God. I see you as someone, you know, who you're big in stature, but I've seen you fight fights for God. I've seen you stand tall. And I tell you, what I see before me is an amazing soldier, an amazing soldier, an amazing soldier with the the helmet. I I see the breastplate. I, I, you know, I I see the loins girt with the the gospel. I I see the shoes. I I see everything on you. I see, you are a soldier. I see the the sword of the spirit in your hand. I see the shield of faith. I say, what I see before me is a soldier. Now talk like a soldier. You're a giant killer. No matter how you're feeling right now, it's time to speak to yourself. Like David, I am a giant killer. Would you stand up with me right now? And would you say this with me? I see lion heads on walls, I see bear rugs on the floor, I see Goliath's head in a platter. I see victories over my enemies. I know who I am in God. I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. I am not a baby. I'm not a wimp. I'm a soldier and I take my sword in my hand. I take my shield in my hand and I will fight the battle because I have a cause and the cause is greater than me. It's the cause of Christ. That is you, you're a soldier. In the army of the living God. Lord, thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the soldiers before me. Giant killers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.